this is why I feel so strongly that I want to change the conversation and I want to change the goalposts a little bit where we're not so outcome focused, but we're like really focusing on the process of what does health feel like? How do I feel good in my skin? Like, what are the things that I need to do in this like joyful, curious way, not from a place of fear, not from a place of struggle, but from a place of like actually working with your body to find the best tool and tools to support a healthy lifestyle. Welcome to the Intuitive Woman Podcast with your host, Tina Conroy. Gain clarity, confidence, and trust in your inner wisdom. Explore spiritual topics, including intuition, healing, wellness, yoga, vibrant living, and more. Hi, everyone. Tina here. I hope you're doing fantastic today. Thank you so much for the feedback of the last few episodes of Trouble to Triumph. I cannot tell you how much it has meant to me to put these powerful women on the Intuitive Women podcast for them to share their trouble, their triumph, and how they are paying it forward. If you have missed any of the episodes, go ahead and go back and please let me know what you think. We've had some amazing stories and amazing women. I specifically put them through the month of May and the first week of June to celebrate women in so many ways. Yes, May in the United States is all about Mother's Day, but it's empowering women and feeling good each and every day. On today's episode, I have the Miss Jenny Burke. Jenny is a wife, a mother of three spirited girls, a health coach and eating psychology coach. I have to tell you that when we sat down to do this interview, I couldn't believe how much we had in common. We didn't even know it. And I always refer to that as matching pictures. Matching pictures, spiritually speaking, is when someone you meet or someone in a Reiki session or a reading has similar things that you are going through and it allows you to see that part of you that maybe you've missed. Well, Jenny and I did have that. We went through a lot of upbringing and self-criticism. We also were on very many, many different diets and constricted diets. We also were health coaches to constricted diets. And then we suffered with that. We wanted to be the best for our clients, but at the same time, we weren't being true to ourselves. So I love this conversation with Jenny. I also love how we really talk about what intuitive eating is. And I kind of jokingly say, I always thought intuitive eating was just another diet. Like if you do intuitive eating, well, you'll be losing as well. And it's not. We talk a little bit about BMI and how if you're doing intuitive eating, you know, maybe that's just a go ahead, like a green light, like you can eat whatever you want. And she demystifies that as well. And most of all, we speak about really the society's pressures on women and men. But as we're talking a lot about women, the society's pressures of being a certain way, looking a certain way, and how detrimental it is. I have a daughter myself, as so does Jenny, and Jenny has three. And we really want to try to change this. And it only can be changed one person at a time, one viewpoint at a time. So I will leave all the information in the show notes for Jenny's information. Feel free to contact her and reach out to her if you're struggling or you know someone that's struggling and share this episode. Have a beautiful day and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Jenny. How are you today? I am great. How are you? Great. I'm so excited to have you on the Intuitive Woman podcast. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. 
Oh, I feel like there is never a reason, you know, the synchronicity. When you reached out to me and I was in the middle of putting this series together, Trouble to Triumph. So thank you so much for coming on and and sharing your story. I said, this is perfect. And it doesn't always happen like that. But uh, I love that. So I love that you're here and going to share the story. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. And it was like we're kindred spirits. It was like the right time, the right moment. And yeah, it all came together. So absolutely. So let's bring the listeners back a little bit to what your trouble was and how you moved through it, how you overcame it, and then where you are today. Yeah. So my trouble started pretty early in life because I'd always struggled with my weight and with my body image. Um, I come from a very loving, caring family, but I was the only one in my whole family who struggled with weight and struggled with body image. And my mom is this like 90 pound, you know, she's a chef. She never struggled in her life. And yet she was always she had her own demons and she was always like looking in the mirror and always, you know, looking for the next diet and little girls get the message very early on. They model their parents, especially their moms. And they see like, okay, you know, mom's checking herself out a lot. Mom's doing diets. I guess being thin is really important. I guess dieting is really important. And I got that message, not overtly, but very tacitly within my home construct And it sort of led me to this place of always having two voices, right? Because I, like I said, I came from a loving household, uh, had a wonderful relationship with my father who recently passed. And one voice was always saying, you've got to diet. You've got to restrict your calories. You've got to over-exercise. You have to do this. You're never going to be loved. You're never going to be admired. You're never going to be successful. And then this other voice that was saying, you know what, but I think you're enough. I think you're okay the way you are. Like, why are you doing this? Like, you're a beautiful girl. You don't need to do this. And for so many years, I drowned this voice out. And I just listened to the voice that was like really the vernacular of the whole culture at the time. I grew up in the 80s and 90s. And it was like, Weight Watchers and this diet and that diet. And I really lost myself. I felt very, you have to start with a foundation to love yourself, you have to start with this foundation of trust and communication and respect. Right. And I knew I had those things, but I like shut down and I closed them off listening instead to my peers and society and magazines and all these things that I got really caught up in. And it was very difficult for me because I was number one, different than my family. I was the only one who struggled in my family. So I'd get these two messages. Like on the one hand, my mom would is a chef. So she'd come home, I'd come home from school and they were like gourmet after school snacks, like, right. And then on the other hand, I would hear like, well, you better watch it. Or like, are you sure you want seconds? And so I got these really mixed messages, right. Went along with my life, chronic dieter, ironically ended up at a job doing obesity treatment for. Wow. So you ended, you ended up training, I mean, helping people or in counseling kind of work. Yeah, I was, I was a health educator helping people lose weight aggressively during using this very, um, it was a medically supervised weight management program. They used, you know, it was very like low calorie, like 800 calories a day. It was almost like I had a spotlight on me. It was almost like I was trying to heal my wounds through my work because of all things, I was helping people lose weight 
And I was struggling with it myself always. And I always felt like there was a spotlight on me. Like you need to be a good role model for these people. You need to stay thin. You need to make sure you're fit. Like they're not going to take you seriously. And yet I felt deep down, like I wasn't really helping people because I knew all the pain and the struggle and the emotions underneath the pursuit of weight loss. The pursuit of a smaller body is exhausting. It's you know, you're bullying your body into a size and shape it may not even want to be. And I was doing that to myself concurrently while coaching other people to lose weight. So this is so interesting because we call this matching pictures. So the work that I do when I have clients that come for Reiki or, you know, intuitive work, and all of a sudden they show up and they're explaining something that I'm going through. And and I know why we're kindred spirits because I've struggled with my weight my entire life. Now, just yesterday, just yesterday in my yoga class, I was sharing with my students how every day for me is day one. Like I've gotten so much better than I was in high school. It was a different kind of mentality. I thought I had it under wrapped. But I had a lot of emotional issues come around the last couple of months. You know, my husband was out of work and so I'm an mm. emotional eater. And every day I was like getting worse and like down and down on myself again. And going back to that rhythm of today's day one. Should I do should I do Weight Watchers? Should I do Isogenic? Should I do like I, like whatever, right? Because I've done it all. And yesterday, just yesterday, literally, yesterday in my yoga class, I said to everybody, to love ourselves and accept ourselves and and also that we all have stuff. And I had just said this yesterday. So as you're, as you're speaking, I'm like, I completely can relate to you. And three years ago, I went on a very strict diet program. I won't say the name. Mm-hmm. And I became a coach. I lost 30 pounds and I'm coaching people to lose weight. Very similar to you. Yeah. And... I was struggling. So it was like, I felt that if I can keep being a coach, then it will help me, but it got out of control. I couldn't really help after a while. Guess what happened? Mm-hmm. Everything, you know, I gained it all yeah. back because I was mm-hmm. basically not eating. I was eating like a thousand calories a day. Oh so we have a very similar story. Yeah, we do. And I didn't know that about your story. And, you know, it just, everything you're saying resonates with me because it's me, you know, it's, it's the girl across the street. It's every woman who has grown up in the same type of hard to achieve body ideals. Right. And this is why I feel so strongly that I want to change the conversation and I want to change the goalpost a little bit, you know, where, where we're not so outcome focused, but we're like really focusing on the process of what does health feel like? How does, how do I feel good in my skin? Like, what are the things that I need to do in this like joyful, curious way, not from a place of fear, not from a place of struggle, but from a place of like actually working with your body to find the best tools to support a healthy lifestyle because our culture certainly doesn't help us do that. Like think of all the noise that's out there. Like do this, don't do this. Don't eat after six. Don't eat sugar. Oh, you should have sugar, but and everything's changing all the time. Always. And we're confused and we're frustrated and we're hurt and we're in pain. And I just like love to give people permission to like let go of it a little bit and to start to tune in to drown out the external voices a little bit, right? And start to tune in. What is what are you saying? What's your voice saying? You know, when I finally started to remember I was saying that other voice, I started I'm like, maybe I, maybe she has something to say. You know, I'm gonna listen a little bit. And when I finally listened, it was like I'm getting chills because I was like, I, I wanted to cry for, and 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 apologize to my body. Like, well, I'm so sorry that I did that to you. And I'm so sorry that, you know, I gave you only 800 calories and I exercised for two hours a day and I thought it would make me happy. And it actually made me miserable, you know, 
Because why? Because this isn't what my body's asking of me. Right. I, need, I need to start listening to what it really wants for me. And then I started to do that. It was just this clearing that happened, both emotionally and physically. I was just, I felt light in a way that I never had felt before. Sure. You know, not like not the scale, but just energetically, I felt really light. So as you're as you were trying to coach people to lose weight, when was that period of time and where was that shift that you started to listen to yourself that you said, this isn't really working or I need to change my parameters around that? Was it did it happen in that particular counseling position or did it come after? It was a it was a process. So like I was there 13 years and I, and I had a great career there. It was a wonderful place, but there were questions I had. Like, there were things I was trying to reconcile. Like, am I really helping people? Like they keep getting the weight back. Like, am, am I really helping? Like why I want to get to the root cause here. And also for myself, because I was constantly chronically dieting. Like I lose the weight, I gain the weight. I had pregnancy and then I lose the weight over and over and over again. It was like deja vu. I'm like, oh, here I am again, eating carrot sticks. <laughs> like I remember this place. And, um, I think what happened was I, I started to gain weight again and I was so frustrated and I was so angry at my body. Like, why can't I just do this? Like, what is wrong with my body? And I went to go see a specific doctor and I ended up getting rid of gluten and dairy for about a year. And I'm already a vegetarian. So I was like in deep in scarcity. I'm constantly feeling like, I was different than everybody. I had to eat differently. I had to say no to everything. And one day we had this neighborhood block party and I like lost it. And I ate like an entire pizza. And I was like, <laughs> I was like all the dairy and gluten you can imagine. And I was like, something has to give here. This is just sure. I would be like that. That was, that was always mine. Like you restrict and restrict and restrict. And then all of a sudden it's like, <gasps> you know, you yes. look at it and you're like, I'll eat instead of having the two slices of pizza, you're having the pie. Exactly. Because like, <laughs> what you've resisted for so long is exactly what you're going to go for. Right. And then because you've been in such scarcity for so long, self-prescribed scarcity that you're like, I may never get this again because the diet might start Monday. So I better eat, eat it now. Right. Last supper mentality. Exactly. And, um, so I finally was like, this is ridiculous. Like I have to do something different. I have to stop trusting all these experts and I have to start listening. And that's what I decided to do. And I felt really called to, you know, I, I was researching different programs online and I found this great program called the um, Institute for the Psychology of Eating. And I got my certificate and I left my job and I stopped dieting. I like threw away the scale and I've like never been happier, honestly. Like it was, it took a long time and a huge paradigm shift, but I'm finally in this place of like freedom and peace that I've always wanted, you know? And that's why I feel so called to help other women in particular, but also men to, to get to that same place. You know, the interesting part too, I know a little bit about intuitive eating. And I think the interesting part too is even when I was listening or reading about intuitive eating, I still was trying to think about, well, what's the diet? Yeah. And I'm finally coming around to like, oh... Now the word diet, obviously is there, we all have a diet and something we eat, but I was thinking of as restrictive diet. Mm. So when people would say intuitive eating, I would think, okay, well, what's that diet? Meanwhile, it's not really any diet. It's like being intuitive <laughs> to how you feel. And I remember the first time I heard it, I didn't really get it. The second time I heard it, didn't really get it. Maybe the third and fourth time. And I started to read more. I was like, oh, like this isn't a restrictive diet. This isn't about losing weight. And I couldn't even wrap my head around it. I was sort of like, wait a minute. If anyone follows that, they're just going to blow up like a balloon. So yeah. Yeah. how is that going to work? And, and it's so interesting. The more and more I read it, the more and more I 
understands it a bit, then I can start to bring my, my, my thoughts around it. Yeah. And it, it is hard to understand because we're such an, we're such a, like a society where we like to follow rules and we like to have step by step. And this is sort of like turns that on its head. And it's like, actually you have all the answers. You just need to like go back to it. Right. And like, I always think about my babies growing up, like you know, when my babies were babies, I would like feed them and they just knew instinctively when they were done, you know, they turned their head and they throw the food on the ground and they were done. And I'd be like, I don't know if they had enough to eat. I better give them more. And they just were like, no, dude, <laughs> like leave me alone. I'm done. And then I realized like, wow, I want to get back to that because the baby and the toddler, they know exactly how to nourish themselves, you know, and your job as a parent is just to provide the healthy foods and whatnot. And somewhere down the line, we just lose all that communication that we have with our bodies. And we're only listening when your body's like screaming at you, you know, like, Oh, I'm so stuffed or I'm starving or, you know, I'm in pain. And there's a lot of whispers that we miss out on that I started to get back in touch with. That's very interesting because you know, as a, as a parent, I remember those days too. Like if they didn't finish the jar of food or they didn't finish this. And then, and I remember my mom like, well, if they're not hungry, they're not going to starve. And I was like, well, I, I remember my son going through like a year of like not eating, yeah. like just literally like, you know, take a bite of something and run off. <laughs> and, and you're right. I never really thought about that, that if they don't want it, they're just going to push away or, and they're not going to start. I mean, let's face it. They were really not, you know, we're, we're lucky enough to say in our society where we yeah. live that there is a, an abundance of food yes. for the most part for most people. So that's interesting the way you put it. Very interesting. Yeah. And you know, like there's so much that makes up so, who somebody is as an eater. It's not just one thing. It's like how your was there a family meal? How did your parents eat? What are the values that your family had around food? And like, what were the societal messages that you got? You know what? There's so many things involved. And I think like, we tend to just focus only on the external stuff. And then we're like completely ignoring all, all the different things that are happening inside. And like, for instance, a lot of my clients will be like, well, you know, it was 12 and I was hungry, but I always have lunch at one. So I'm like, then have lunch at 12. You know, like, why are you letting the clock dictate when you're hungry versus your body? And yet that's how we're sort of hardwired where we like, we, we look, we look outward, like what time is it? And who else is eating? And right. Interesting. So, yeah. So we end up sort of like just listening to these external cues versus the internal cues. So what are some of the things that if someone's listening, if a listener is tuning in and they want to just maybe work with a little bit of these tools, what are just a few tools that they can adopt pretty easily, you know, starting at their next meal? What would be something? Yeah. I, I love talking about this because people think it's like so elusive, like what's that, you know, but really it's about just being mindful. It's being completely present in the moment and allowing pleasure and awareness to seep into the eating experience. Because if you think about our society, we're very output. We have to do, we have to go, we have to be, we're always eating uh, while we're driving or we're eating while we're working or we're eating while we're watching TV. And one of the first things that I always tell people is like, literally let food be the activity. Just try it. Don't read, don't talk, don't drive, don't watch TV, just eat. We don't feel like we give ourselves 
the license to do that because we're so busy. We, we can't possibly take the time to just eat. We have to eat and actually do something else too. But when I, that's the very first thing I would say is like sample a meal where you're not doing anything else but eating. And I think there's going to be so much breakthrough that you get just from that alone. But also what I would say is even just taking yourself, giving yourself like five to 10 breaths to get grounded because a lot of us eat in a stress response. It may not be the kind of stress response where you're being chased by a lion, but it's sort of the day in and day out chronic stress that we feel and we're bringing that eating experience. And there is a reason for that there's a term called rest and digest because when we're relaxed, we're allowing all the processes in our bodies to be prepared for digestion and assimilation of nutrients. If in fact we're distracted or we're not paying attention and we're not, your brain isn't getting the message that there's pleasure involved, then your body cannot simply just digest and assimilate the nutrients as effectively as it can when you're slowing down and you're breathing. So breathing, get yourself in a, in a relaxation response. This is a huge one. And it's so simple. Literally put your fork down and spoon down between bites. Like you'll be amazed. I was amazed. Like I was like eating like this, like, like that. And I would never put my fork down. And I'm like, I literally have to say to myself sometimes, Jenny, you're not in a rush. You have no place you need to be. All you need to do is worry about eating, take your time. <laughs> you know, you have to like talk yourself through it because we're so used to eating quickly at this point. So that's a huge one. Put your fork down, just check in with yourself. Like, am I still hungry? How's the food tasting? What's going on here? You know, and it's those three simple things are very powerful right there. And that's just the jumping off point. Right. Just the jumping off. That's interesting. I never, I'm thinking, do I even put the fork down? Probably hold it. I probably hold it the entire me uh, meal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, is there any... So those are three really simple. So I like those because they're easy and attainable for really anybody. Yeah. And there's, it's not like there's any foods off limits, right? So if, they, if it's just really going through those process, but it's not about having this or not having that or food is good as food is bad. It, it gets rid of all that and just asking your body, what do you want? And then doing those, those first three things. Obviously, I'm sure there's more. But really <laughs> connecting with those first three jumping... Uh, points. Yeah. And I will say you brought up a really good point about food morality, you know, the good and the bad, which is also <laughs> sort of baked into our culture in a lot of ways. And what I'll say about that is, and the people I work with are very terrified when I say, you know what, nothing is off limits on, um, you know, everything's on the table and they're like, but I'm going to binge and I'm going to gain hundred pounds and I'm going to, you will, you will actually eat a lot the first few days, maybe week, because it's like, it's like when a you know, when a caged animal finally gets free, you're like, they're running around and they're like totally immersed in like the freedom. Right. But then it becomes more ho-hum. Like if I said to you, you know, or to any woman, you can have a Twinkie whenever you want, you know, you might be like, Oh, Twinkies. But then after a while you get to understand your agency and your ability to make judicious choices because it's available whenever you want. And there's no more restrictions. You can finally relax and you can say, do I want this right now? No, I don't really want it right now. This is what I have found for myself. And when it happens for my clients, when they have those aha moments, it's the most amazing thing that I've ever witnessed because it's just like, it's like being woke. Like you're woke, you woke, you wake up from something that you've been sleeping under for so long. And then there's all these different like revelations that happen from it. And I know I'm, it's hard to say without, without, really being immersed in it. But trust me, like 
people who will say to me, like, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I'm like, use me as a safety net. Like, allow me to give you this permission because they needed that. They need permission to not restrict anymore. And over time, it just ends up having more freedom and less fear and then more trust. Yeah. And it sounds like, it sounds like it's obviously a lot of mindset, but it's also with creating the healthy relationship with food. And that, that's the interesting thing because I do a lot of journaling and a lot of work. And for me, it was healthy relationship around food. When that can shift, it's just, it'll feel like freedom. You know? And I don't think I'm there 100%, I can be honest. Mm-hmm. But the relationship around the food, the bagel is bad, but a yogurt mm-hmm. is good or mm-hmm. ice cream is... You know, whatever that is, that mm-hmm. morality of food you're saying. And the relationship is what I want. I want... I want a healthy relationship with food. I want a healthy relationship with my body, right? And if I can have those, that's that's probably when they're like, oh my goodness, this is what it could be like instead of having every day feeling like just consumed with either what you're going to eat, what you're not going to eat, mm-hmm. how much you weigh, how much you don't, you know, all of those things consume our thoughts 24 hours a day. Yes, you're we become beholden to food and we become fearful of it because you just talked about being in relationship with food, right? So think about when I think about being in a, in a good relationship, I think of three things: trust, communication and respect, right? And we often don't have that where we have fear around food in our bodies. We don't trust our bodies. We don't trust that we can actually make choices that serve us in a good way. And we're not communicating correctly. We're not listening and communicating. So to be in a good relationship with food and with your body, you have to have those three things as the, as the backdrop, right? And so that's what I often ask people to drop into. I'm like, okay, like, there's no health halo on this piece of broccoli. Like that Twinkie didn't just rob a bank and that broccoli isn't like you know, <laughs> Teresa. Like I love it. It's, it's the stories that we put onto those foods, right? Based sure. on society and like what we, you know, and it's really, it's just energy and it just affects our body differently, right? Now, let me ask you a question because there's going to be some skeptics that say, well, we can all love our bodies and we can all love and and that is a wonderful thing and have a healthy relationship with food. But if you're morbidly obese, you're unhealthy. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be people that say, well, but if your BMI is blah, blah, blah. Like, mm-hmm. so how do you address those people that say, well, it's still that number. It's still the number on the scale. It's still the BMI. You're not healthy if you're, you know, because we have a BMI number. So mm-hmm. if you're intuitively eating and you're above your BMI, well, then you're you're heavy or you're obese or you're morbidly obese. I mean, we've all seen those charts. Mm-hmm. So how does that come into play? How does, how does that thinking come into play with intuitive eating? Yeah. I mean, it's such a great question um, that you're asking and it comes up all the time. And I could do a whole nother podcast about BMI <laughs> and how I feel about BMI. But you know, basically, it's not about... So, I I guess I would challenge what you just said. It's not about loving your body. Like, yes, of course you want to love your body, but it's really about marveling in what your body's purpose is, what our vessels are for, right? So I'm just talking about body image for a second. Like when I started to reframe, these arms are not here for me to, to like criticize the flab. These arms that I have are here for holding my children and for carrying groceries and for doing the things. It helps me to do things in life, right? And my stomach, that used to be really flat. And now I have a pooch because I had three kids. It's not there for me to criticize. It's there because 
I was able to carry three children. And like, how amazing is that? So it's, again, it's changing. It's like reframing what our body parts are for and how we've sort of come into this place where it's just all about like changing it and loathing it and not being good enough and this and that to answer your question about the obesity and morbid obesity. Like I'll just say this, like you can have two people who are, let's say 300 pounds and one part, one of those people exercises daily, eats really balanced yoga meditation. And one of them is sedentary. One of them eats fast food a lot and you have them, you look at their biochemistry or you look at, ask them to go up a flight of stairs, irrespective of their weight, which one is going to be able to do that easier? Which one is going to have better biometrics? It's the person who's doing the behaviors that make you healthy, right? So all I'll say is, is weight is just one factor of many factors that make up your health. It's not the factor. It's one of many. And everybody has to make their own choices, right? So I I fully accept people who want to just accept who they are right now, even if it's a BMI of whatever, because for a lot of these people, they've been struggling their whole lives and they're just ready just to raise the white flag and be like, you know what? I just want to eat healthy and my body will do what it does, but I'm going to stop having the goal being weight loss. I'm going to have the goal being move my body in a way that feels good, eat in a way that makes me feel good. And the rest is up to whatever my body, right? And my whole focus is like, let's make a holistic health profile for you. What does that make up? Stress reduction, community, relationships, how you move your body, how you eat. And there's so many things that make a healthy, happy person, right? And it saddens me that we profile people who are overweight or obese as unhealthy when that's possibly not true, right? And you can see someone really thin and skinny or what any shape and they're maybe not healthy. Right? I agree. I mean, I've, I know women that are extremely thin. I call them the coffee and cigarette bunch. You know, <laughs> they're like kind of just targeting this community of like size zero to two mm-hmm. and they're skinny and they are, you know, wearing all these clothes and thin, but they smoke cigarettes and they drink coffee and they don't eat food. So they're not healthy, right? So it's like, again, they're on this spectrum of unhealthy, but I love the way you put it. I love the way you said that weight is just one, right? So I really, I love that conversation around looking at two different people, um, even if they're both 300 pounds and someone eating healthy and that's, you know, their activity level is good and that and someone else who's not. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So where can people find you? Where can people share your gifts and, and connect with you? Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, I guess the best way to reach me is through my website, which is um, www.jennyeden, like garden of <laughs> coaching.com. And um, I have a, you know, a mindful eating course for free on there. If people want to explore that a little bit more, uh, I have blogs that I do weekly. So yeah, that's the best place to find me. And what about social media? Where do you like to hang out? I hang out in my Facebook group, which is called Wellness Warriors. And I'd love to extend an invite to everybody who listens in your audience and to you. Um, it's just a, it's a really fun, supportive, wonderful group of women and men, mostly women. Yeah, it's called Wellness Warriors. Great. Well, I love the work you're doing and to really change this whole paradigm about eating and for us to really connect and get away from the morality of food and, and just keep sharing your work. So... 
Thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure to have you on. And uh, I, again, we're just so appreciative of all the work that you do. Well, thank you. I'm so appreciative of you. I loved being on your show. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you so much for tuning in. I never take it lightly that you tune in each and every week. And thank you so much for listening to this series, Trouble to Triumph. Now, as I close, I want to share with you, since we are talking about intuition, I want to share with you that I'm opening up some spots for my Intuitive Women Level 1 private coaching. This will be internet-based anywhere in the world. Feel free to contact me. This will be a four-week course, and we will be delving into intuition, developing intuition. The first week, we learn about intuition and introduction to the Clares. The second week, spiritual clearing and creating sacred space. The third week, you receive our virtual Reiki treatment, and we talk about the energy and the chakras. And week four is an introduction to Oracle cards. This is open right now, and I would love to share this course with you. As we move into the summer, sometimes we have a little bit more space in our schedule to do something for ourselves. So if you're interested, all the information will be in the show notes, and I would love to take you on and do one-on-one coaching to develop your intuition further. Well, thank you so much once again. Have a beautiful day. Namaste.